This is the National Medicine Symposium from the Canberra National Convention Centre. Well, one of our special guests at the NMS 2018 is in the antimicrobial resistance stream, which has been uh, very, very popular, and there's a lot of interesting um, discussion on this. Uh, today, uh, Dr. Sue Phillips is chairing, and uh, Dr. Mark Blaskovich uh, in Detect and Destroy New Approaches to Fight Antimicrobial Resistance from the Centre for Superbug Solutions, University of Queensland. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So how important is a panel discussion like this at a, a symposium like this? Look, I think, I think it's very important to uh, make the general audience more aware of the issues of antimicrobial resistance. So within our field, you know, we're well aware that it's a growing issue. And if we don't do something in the next 20 years, there are going to be serious health issues because a lot of medical procedures that are taken for common won't be possible anymore if you don't have antibiotics at work. So, so things like... Um, Chemotherapy for cancer treatment won't be possible because you come immunocompromised and get an infection. If antibiotics don't work, then chemotherapy treatments aren't going to work anymore. Um, simple surgical procedures often have antibiotics as a prophylactic, and certainly things like hip and joint replacements often get infected. If you don't have antibiotics, those types of treatments won't be possible anymore. Now, a lot of the discussion yesterday was at one end. You're from the other end because you are uh, researching into antibiotics. Yeah, I call, call myself an antibiotic hunter, and, and antibiotics are rare things to, to try to find. Um, unfortunately, in the last 20 years, uh, the number of new antibiotics being developed has dropped precipitously, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're, we're facing an imminent danger. So back in the, the golden age of antibiotic discovery, which is the, the 40 and 50s, there are literally hundreds of new antibiotics being discovered. Only some of those were developed because there's so many options at the time. And in the last 20 years, largely for economic reasons, most pharmaceutical companies have exited the antibiotic discovery business. And so there are very few people who are actually doing the basic research to come up with new antibiotics now. So if you look in, in the clinical pipeline, um, for example, comparing to oncology, jobs, uh, oncology drugs, in the human three phases of human clinical testing, there are over 800 oncology drugs in the pipeline right now. And that's compared to about 45 antibiotics. And antibiotics are one of the you know, one of the few drugs that actually cure an illness and not just treat the symptoms, and they save lives. You know, and and they're incredibly undervalued. And and this is one of the reasons why pharma companies don't invest in them because they can't make money out of antibiotics compared to other drugs. So, it costs the same amount to develop a new antibiotic as it does to develop any other type of drug, pretty much. Um, and yet, for other drugs, they can sell a billion or two billion dollars worth a year. And antibiotics, if they're lucky, it's a good antibiotic. They can make maybe a hundred million. And so, there's just no comparison for them looking where to invest their money. You know, it's not they don't want to treat infections. It's just they're they have stockholders, shareholders who want to see them make a profit. And it's much harder to make a profit from antibiotics. It's shameful economics, isn't it? It is, and and it's it comes down to, for some reason, antibiotic therapy is not valued, and so the most expensive new antibiotics difficult for the market to charge more than about a thousand dollars a day and normally you take it for a week or two weeks and your treatment's done so maybe fifteen thousand dollars for the newest best most exciting new antibiotic um, you compare that to anti-cancer drugs the most recent CAR-T therapy that recently got approved in the states is charging close to five hundred thousand US for one treatment and for some reason, the market will let you pay 500000 for something that may prolong your life, not necessarily cure you, for an antibiotic. A couple thousand is the most. And it, 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 I don't understand why. <laughs> so you're talking about the um, um, 
new approaches. So what new approaches are you taking on? Yeah, so we actually have several different approaches, multi-pronged approach, because it's, it's going to take more than one approach to come up with a new antibiotic. So, so one approach we're doing is kind of the tried and true way of how new antibiotics have been developed in the past, and that is take an existing antibiotic that resistance is starting to develop against it and make it more potent and try to overcome the resistance mechanism. So we've done that with a, a gram-positive antibiotic called vancomycin. Um, we've developed into what we call a super vancomycin, um, which is about 10 to 100 fold times more potent. Um, so that's very promising. That's quite an advanced program, um, a little bit more work, and you know, within a couple of years we could potentially get into human clinical trials if there was funding available to do that. And, and that's the rub because, again, at you know, this stage to get it from where we are now into human testing needs to have some company show commercial interest to put up the couple million dollars it's going to take to do that further development. Um, a, a second program we have, which is probably even more exciting, is one for gram-negative bacteria. So gram-negative bacteria are the ones that they've become resistant to almost every antibiotic now. And there are people, not fortunately not many in Australia yet, that are dying because there's no antibiotic left to treat them. Um, so there's a, a class of antibiotics that was originally reported in the 1970s, which has activity against a particular type of resistance. So polymyxin resistance is a... Uh, Polymyxin antibiotics are the sort of the last resort antibiotics that are still able to treat some of these very, very resistant infections, but resistance to the polymyxins develops very quickly, and they're also quite toxic, so it's hard to get a therapeutic level that's effective. So these other antibiotics were reported in the 1970s, so it's kind of going back to the end of the golden age of discovery, and largely ignored, and that's, again, probably because they're just other options at the time. Um, but the thing that attracted our attention is that they have activity against these polymyxin-resistant, extremely drug-resistant gram-negative bacteria. So a couple of years ago, we reported the, the first chemical synthesis of this class of compounds, and we've now made a bunch of analogs um, and come up with some which look quite promising in terms of their, they appear to be much less toxic than the polymyxins, um, have activity against a panel of very resistant bacteria. Um, but it's still early stages. And, you know, in terms of the drug discovery pipeline, it takes a long time to develop a new antibiotic. So if today we had this wonderful, discovered, you know, wonderful, potentially beautiful antibiotic that worked well in, in test tubes, it's still 10 to 15 years before we can get that into a, you know, approved drug in patients. A hunter of these things. Yeah. How does funding, how hard is it for funding? So the, yeah, there's the other issue. Um, you know, so the, the, it is changing. There are more uh, initiatives focused on antibiotic research. But in general, um, when we're applying for grant funding, we're up against all the other different types of disease indications. And it is very difficult to get funding. You know, particularly in Australia, the, the research funding climate is very poor. The success rate for one of the main types of grants that we use, which are NHMRC project grants, um, the success rate is less than 15%. So you spend an awful lot of time writing applications that don't get funded. Um, the, the other initiative, so the, the third prong we've been doing in term, terms of trying to discover antibiotics, um, we've set up a, a global initiative called the Community for Open Antimicrobial Drug Discovery. And this has received substantial funding from an international organization, the Wellcome Trust. So they've put in over $5 million in the last three years, and then we've had significant support from the University of Queensland, where we're based. And the, the focus of this initiative is trying to discover new antibiotics in synthetic chemicals. So most antibiotics came from natural products, but over the last 100 years, chemists have made over 80 million organic compounds. And most of these um, have never been tested for their antimicrobial activity because chemists make them for all sorts of different reasons. They often 
don't think about testing them for you know as a potential antibiotic, or they don't have the resources to find someone who can provide the testing. Um, so we set up this initiative starting about four years ago, and we offer free screening against five different bacteria. So they're so-called escape pathogens. So these are ones that are um, very serious threats of becoming very resistant in the next 15 years and already have quite a lot of resistance. And we also test against two fungi because fungi are going to be the, the next area where resistance is growing now, and it's going to become even more of an issue because there are very few antifungal drugs out there. Um, so it's been highly successful in terms of attracting global attention. We've received over 200,000 compounds from over 200 different academic institutions in countries in, in 45 different countries around the world. And, and that includes people working at Oxford and Cambridge University, you know, institutions you think would have the resources to be able to do it themselves, but they find it um, the ability just to just send us compounds, get results back really quickly um, is very powerful and it is engaging a lot more researchers into trying to do antimicrobial research. Now in terms of funding, um, unfortunately the Wellcome Trust is, is ending its funding this year because they've got other priorities and so we are, you know, we think this is an incredibly valuable initiative and, and we're scrambling to find funding to keep it going. And as yet there, there has been no funding from the Australian government and, and that's largely because it, it falls outside of the typical type of of research funding program. So it's not considered cutting-edge research, which would make it eligible for a project grant. And so, you know, we think there's a, a, a potentially um, a great opportunity to position Australia at the forefront of global antimicrobial research. So we're, we're engaging with some, uh, there's a World Health Organization uh, called GARD-P, which is a, a new initiative focused on antibiotic development that's just started up over the last couple of years. And then there's another initiative called CARBEX, um, which has received over $300 million funding from both the Wellcome Trust and the United States health agencies. And that is, again, focused on taking uh, potential antibiotics and, and taking them all the way into the clinic. And so where COED is positioned is it feeds very nicely into these other pipelines because we generate a valid hit, which is then able to be developed by these other organizations. And so we're, we're in discussions with both GARD-P and with CARBEX um, to see if they can keep COED going and, and fund us. But they're very interested to see that there is a commitment from the Australian government at the same time. And so, you know, trying to get funding from multiple organizations at the same time, it's a bit like herding cats. And, you know, <laughs> someone has to go first and say, well, I'll fund you and not have to wait for the other ones to say, I'll fund you too. Mark, a symposium like this, how important is it? Oh, it's it's very important in connecting people from different areas because a lot of us work, you know we work in silos a lot of the time and certainly for the the basic researcher like myself that that's at the you know the coal face of discovering antibiotics interacting with clinicians and pharmacists that are using the antibiotics it's it's important to know you know what do they need what are they looking for and what are the characteristics that they want in a new antibiotic and and identifying the level of resistance that they're encountering day to day it gives you an idea of you know how quickly do we need to come up with these new antibiotics um, the, the other programs that we're working on so in, in my talk title is called detect and destroy so in the the, the near term the probably the single most important thing we could do to reduce unnecessary use of antibiotics is to develop a diagnostic that could quickly tell do you have a bacterial infection or do you have a viral infection and it's quite amazing in this day and age that we're still basically relying on 100-year-old technology to do that. So for determining a bacterial infection, generally you have to do a 24-hour culture step. So there's this 
delay time before you can get any type of diagnosis. And after that 24 hours, there's all of these new whiz-bang types of equipment that can identify the bacteria and identify that it's there, but you still have that 24-hour step. So one project that we're working on, which is very exciting, is we're looking at trying to capture the bacteria directly from the biological fluid, whether it's blood or, or plasma, um, using magnetic nanoparticles, and they're coated with something that targets specifically to the surface of the bacteria. So that captures the bacteria, and with the magnetic particles, then you use a magnet, and you can literally pull them out of this biological fluid and concentrate them down, wash off the rest of the fluid, and now you've got a very clean, small volume of your bacteria attached to these magnetic nanoparticles and then you can now apply your analytical techniques to see you know are there bacteria there and and the technique that they're again we're very excited about is a whole genome sequencing technique um, called nanopore sequencing and this is a new method of of doing genetic sequencing which can give you real-time sequencing information so it starts spitting out data as soon as you start analyzing the sample so if you have enough bacteria present um, within about 20 minutes, you can determine what species of bacteria it is. So you can say, yes, he's got a, a Staph aureus infection or MRSA infection. Um, within about another 30 minutes, you can narrow down to the specific type of strain of bacteria. So there are different strains that have different you know, characteristics. Um, and then over the next hour or two, you start picking up resistance genes that are present. So you can get an idea uh, within a very short period of time, exactly what antibiotic... You know, so A, should you be treating with an antibiotic? Is it bacteria present or not if it's not if it's viral then an antibiotic will do no no good and and can do harm um if if it is bacterial you can tell what type of bacteria it is and what zero in on that and what type of resistance it is so you can use the the most effective but least powerful antibiotic possible and that reduces the pressure to develop resistance Thank you for sharing today, and you enjoy your presentation, part of the panel discussion on antimicrobial uh, resistance, yes. and, uh, and, and good luck with your research and your funding. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs>